This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to episode five, I suppose. Of the Cabal cast, as you can see, our good man Wode is back after missing some time, getting ready for a baby who is not here yet, but will be soon. Will be soon. Uh, topics we have today, obviously, there's a standard Grand Prix going on, there's a Star City team event. Mm -hmm. We're going to cover results for those and the implications. And something that over the last year, speculators have kind of exploded because they're this evil Cabal. Uh, we're actually going to be going over when to get rid of bad specs. If they don't work out and you're just out, what to do? Uh, so that said, let's start with the GP. Reptar, if you want to take us away there. Yep. So uh, coming out of Saturday into Sunday, we had nine undefeated players on three different archetypes. We had five Golgari mid-range decks, two Izzet Drake decks, and two Jeskai control decks for a total of nine. One of them was Kevin Jones, who I think was on Golgari mid-range, who did not convert it to top eight. He decided to play in Milwaukee instead of Vegas. And then our top eight of that Grand Prix mirrors those nine undefeated decks pretty well, where we have two Jeskai control lists. One of them was Adrian Sullivan, so it's going to be a little non-conventional. We have four Golgari mid-range decks, all fairly homogenous. And then we have one purely mono-white aggressive deck. So pure mono-white that there's even a planes in the sideboard. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. There is. There's that one. is insane. <laughs> okay. That's so, thing. So that's, that's Milwaukee, and the top eight has just started. And a few of the interesting things that we noted before going live about uh, all the decks individually is that this one of the Jeskai control decks is... As we said last week, primarily blue-white, the red splash comes from cyborg cards and Star of Extinction and Fiery Cannonade. Uh, we have Adrian Sullivan's Jeskai Control. He's playing four Niv-Mizzet in the main, two Ionize, two Deafening Clarion, two Expansion... Three. three Deafening Clarion, two Expansion Explosion... Three. Three Expansion Explosion? All right. Yeah, I'm just three way wrong. Four Treasure Maps... To go along yeah, with treasure this. map was the one that caught my eye, and has a beautiful spell swindles play on a carnage tyrant just to gain treasures. Oh, that's amazing! Uh, <laughs> the eighth player that I forgot to mention is Owen Turtonwald on Is It Drake's playing an Electromancer style build, which is just a lot of one mana. Uh, it's not the one mana cantrip build; it's uh, a little more rugged. And then the four Golgari mid range decks, like I said, are are all pretty homogenous. Plus or minus some ramp. So there's not a, a whole lot of interest here. Except in the sideboard of all of these decks are the Assassin's Trophies. There are, I think we counted, eight, eight trophies in the sideboards. 2-2, two, 2-1-1, two, two, one, one, something like that. Um, and then the Mono White <coughs> deck is playing Shalai in the board, a card we have not seen since its release. Something that just allows this aggressive deck to just keep playing the game and take over in a spot where 
maybe on turn five, there's not a lot going on on the board, and then all of a sudden their team just starts growing at an unbelievable pace. Yeah, but this show I actually can't grow because it's pure mono white. So. Oh, it doesn't have any... Wow. They have no green to actually do the pumping from Shalai, so it's purely for you, Planeswalkers, which they only have Planeswalkers on the board, and other creatures to have Hexproof. Yep, okay. So, it's um, probably I mean, I, I, coming in for the Golgari matches. Along with the four Takaliana Guard, yeah. Yeah. Would be my guess. Yeah, that's what I would assume as well. Yeah. Stop <laughs> the, uh, I guess it slows down, doesn't stop, but slows down, and it, yeah, the, uh, the loop of the, uh, one of the Chupas. The Chupa loop. Yeah. yeah. Our Chups. Yeah, with so. Fine Finality and uh, <clears throat> Memorial, Memorial to Folly. Yeah. So, uh, all in all, we have a little bit of a fin <clears throat> of financial implication from the top eight. Not a whole lot. Uh, we talked about last week, and again, uh, as well before the cast, three of us, that this is a, the Is It Drake's deck is pretty much tapped out. There's yeah. not a lot of room here to pick up on anything unless you believe firmly that Arc-like... Arc Light Phoenix is a $30 card for the rest of its lifespan and standard. And I don't think any of us agree with that. No. It's not worth the risking $20 to find out, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And the Golgari decks are basically showing us that you no longer need Assassin's Trophy. You don't really need any Planeswalker of Vraska, as there's only one Vraska in any of the 75s, and it's Seth Manfield with one of the Relic Seekers in his sideboard. Yeah. But what yeah, his sideboard is just fun to look at anyway. He's got an Eldest Reborn in there. Yeah. You know, he's got he's got a fun sideboard going on, so... Yeah. So, what we were seeing, though, is that Midnight Reaper is starting to see a little play now. Yeah. Doom Whisperer is officially a threat in main decks now. And Marari's Conjecture is also beginning to pop up. Yeah, what I like about the Golgari decks is, and I think why Assassin's Trophy is falling out of favor is, they just have, you already feel bad removing a lot of their stuff, and then with Assassin's Trophy, you ought, if you're removing it with that, you're also giving them a land, and then if they have Midnight Reaper in, you're also allowing them to draw cards, and so they just stack up all these little threats that just kind of grow, and with the Jade yeah, Light Ranger, the it's swinging at you as a 4-3, yeah. and the Wild Growth Walker slowly growing and gaining them life, and so, like, it just feels bad to remove any of their stuff, and then you can't remove Carnage Tyrant, really, so they eventually slam that, and there's nothing you can do about it, so it just feels yeah. super efficient on the Golgari decks, yeah. um, and I think that's why there's four or five of them in the top eight, is they're just incredibly efficient. Yeah, I was watching uh, the Star City stream today, and the Golgari deck is the number one most converting deck into day two yeah 11 copies in yeah and watching these decks just play find finality and memorial to folly yeah and just loop these incredibly impactful cards was amazing like i didn't think the deck was that resilient it was that good at holding the ground and just stymieing play from their opponent but man it's a sight i i think that's part of why they've started including which you know, I'll cover this a little bit later. You're starting to see some people with Midnight Reaper in their deck because one of the ways this deck loses is by stumbling. That's pretty much the only way it loses, except against Is It Drakes, mm -hmm. where Is It can just out advantage it. It's one of the only decks that can in the format. And you're starting to see them make that concession that, like, yeah, 
we might be going a little bit grindier, which generally favors them. Yep. But yep. for the mirror match, like you said, uh, Wode, they kind of have to take the trophies out because at this point, five removal is enough, and then you have Vivian Reed on top of that. So it, it was interesting, though, that Seth had two Karns yeah. in his list, yeah. uh, which yeah. is a card we haven't seen in standard since right after Dominaria released. Yeah, it it was it was showing up in everything right after Dominaria released. Everybody yeah. tried it in everything because it's a colorless card that creates card advantage. So you're like, we'll just throw it in every deck, yeah. and it really fell out. But yeah, it's interesting to see it back in. Yeah, uh, he's playing it as a two of in the main, and that's kind of a concession <clears throat> to the way he built the deck with Drew to the Cowl and ramping more into his Planeswalkers. And then yeah. uh, Adam Hernandez, another Golgari mid range player, has one Karn in their main and one card in their sideboard to turn into that even more grindy style of deck to give them a little bit more lasting power. Yeah, I also think that with no fast decks except the mono white, which is essentially indestructible boggles anyways, Mm -hmm. that (laughs) Braska's Contempt is just far superior removal to... uh, Assassin's Trophy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's with with. There's so much recursion right now. It's the exile is incredibly relevant, mm-hmm. um, and they they you're not really exiling anything other than creatures or planeswalkers. So, Assassin's Trophy doesn't. You're not really hitting any permanents other than those two. You're not really hitting enchantments. You're not really hitting artifacts in this format right now. So, yeah. Vraska's contempt is just far superior to Assassin's Trophy when there's not when you don't have the need to remove something on turn two. And the only deck you need to do that against is mono white aggro, which they can make all their stuff indestructible. So yeah. therefore, yeah. Vraska's contempt is clearly superior again. So it just—it's really completely pushed Assassin's Trophy out of the meta. Yeah, like for and, standard. Yeah, people are realizing that Thrashing Brontodon is an overstated card for three mana and does incredible. It's so work. efficient. Yeah, uh, mentioning that you don't really have to just. Dis- destroy artifacts and enchantments in this format is because you have a 3-4 for 3 that does exactly that. You don't have to worry about the uh, history of Benalia hitting chapter 3 with a thrashing Brontodon or your mono-red opponent or your Boros opponent gaining huge advantage off of an experimental frenzy because of thrashing Brontodon. This card is just keeping a number of strategies down all the while Vraska's Contempt can can just pinpoint the best threat at the time and take care of it, regardless of yep. whether it's a planeswalker yeah. or a creature. And the golden demise in the sideboards now keeps Selesnya tokens at bay as well. Yeah. I, don't, <clears throat> I popped in a couple of times today on stream to see what was going on, and I don't think I saw a single Selesnya deck at all. I saw one during a time walk match, but okay. that was it. Yeah. And it was X2. Yeah, Selesnya tokens converted... Uh, one deck in the team event at Star City, but I didn't see it on camera yesterday or today. So yeah, Golgari is just doing a great job of keeping as much down in the format as it can. But one card I, I thought might show up uh, with all the Golgari decks mm-hmm. in in the Golgari decks for is that for the mirror match was Ritual of Soot, um, but yeah. it looks like that one didn't show up anywhere. It just it kills. A lot of their stuff that's going to be the threats that's coming down early, and then turn four you slam that, and all their ramps gone. You know everything's gone. But like I guess Golden Demise mostly covers that as well, yeah. and then it's it's slightly it doesn't hit slightly your guys. more efficient. 
Um, so. I think if we see Selesnya tokens pick up or a, a token deck that just goes really wide, then we'll see Ritual of Sick pick up as well. Like, that seems what that card was meant for. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, I think the problem is it's the same format that Deafening Clarion exists in, so yeah. I don't know if Ritual will ever have any type of right. foothold. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just it would just have to be for the Golgari deck specifically since they obviously can't play Clarion. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, one of the last cards I wanted to talk about in the top eight is uh, Morari's Conjecture. There's one copy in the one deck we expected in, which is Is It Drake's? And I didn't get a chance to see it do any work at the GP, but I did get to see Jacob Baugh, I believe is his name, uh, a team open winner multiple times. St. Louis boy. Yeah, who's currently uh, at the top of the leaderboards for this team event. Used it to incredible results at the open several times on camera. So uh, opinions on that card, financially at least. Well, I mean, you get to... Instead of with Jumpstart getting to cast all your spells twice, now you get to cast them three times or four times, maybe. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think it has some room to grow. I mean, it's it obviously has EDH appeal. Uh, it's the yeah. type of thing that you know someone's going to sit down and be like, oh, you know, I get to cast spells twice. I get to get counter spell or thirst from knowledge or whatever it is. You know, people people get from the graveyard. The nice thing is like. It's median right now is for non-foil. Yep. 40 cents, 50 cents, something like that. So it's basically a penny stock. Granted, the set was opened a lot. Uh, it was a really popular draft environment. It's got plenty of good chases, chase cards in it. But, I mean, I could see it eventually over a year or so getting to be a $5 card. Yeah. I, I see it like I see Imprisoned in the Moon. Okay. Um... I just think it's a blue card that you basically throw in most every blue deck you'd run in EDH. Um, it's just it's just value. It's fun. Um, the, I think Saga foils down the road could be worth something just because I don't know that Sagas are something we're going to see a lot. Yep. If you I have, so I have a bunch of these in foil, this one particularly, the Marari Conjecture, looks really, really good in foil. Um, yeah. So the Sagas are, are interesting for their design, um, that a lot of them have have really casual EDH appeal, um, which, as we know, with a card over time, even if it doesn't see you know one of uh, one of the main competitive uh, formats of play, that card just continues to climb and climb and climb um, because everybody wants to throw it in their 120 blue decks that they have stacked across their wall. Yep. Um, yeah. Play. So, I, I like I like the sagas and Mariah Conjecture is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. So. I think this is a, a card that's been a long time coming in standard, but the card just reads as, as something that's very powerful. It's not a control deck finisher, obviously. It's a card you need to be playing a combo deck for, and that's kind of what the Is It Drake's deck is. Um, yeah. I, the casual appeal has been there since day one. I, in, in its standard lifetime, unless Is It, is it Drake's becomes a dominant force in the meta, I expect it to be a 3 to $5 card max, and then long term we could probably see 5 to 7 yeah. As an enchantment, it's hard to loop with mono blue, but there are other ways to do it, and it'll have casual appeal for forever. It's basically a bulk rare right now that has the opportunity to quad up very easily. Yeah, yeah I think so. Oh. And Treasure Map's another one of those that is seeing play now in yes. decks that I also think is you can throw it in so many EDH decks. Yep. Um, of course, it's already like a 3 or $4 card, I think, um, because people have already seen that. But. Yeah. 
I think it's one that just kind of slowly uh, climbs over time. Mm -hmm. The buy box promos on those, of course, people really like with the maps on the back. Um, but yeah, pretty high priced already anyways mm -hmm. because of that. Um, and I'm not really sure about the stock on those, what that looked like. But. Uh, it depends on what they are, I think. Some of them are pretty stagnant uh, because they did nothing. Like the red one. Yeah. Uh, that turns into... No, Sansa's Blasting Cannons? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That, I mean, that's right. just an awful card. Like, yeah. But, that's not yeah. even a casual EDH card. No, but no. you look at all the flip cards they made. I think it was one from every... All of them, right? It's all like eight or ten or and something? All the, yeah, yeah, all the yeah. flip cards have a buy box promo version. Yeah. With a map back instead of whatever was normally on the back. Yeah, there's the one that turns into Maze of Ith, There's the one that turns into uh, Gilded Lotus. There's one that yeah. turns... Like, those are, at least have something to do... Outpost Siege does not seem like the way to go. No, that yeah. is not where I want to be at all. But, right, so moving... I, okay. I also wonder at some point if those will have any kind of collector appeal because the map technically does make a big map if yes. you combine all of them together. Um, and yeah. then it's foil, so that, that could potentially have some kind of collector's edition feel to it down the road where people want to like frame those all flipped, foiled, with the building the whole map on the back, something like that. So... That may take up a little bit of stock as well for the ones that are going to be good anyways, like the searches yeah. and the treasure maps and the gilded yeah. the dousing daggers and those kind. Dousing dagger is one that has a great casual appeal. If you flip that early in an EDH deck, people will get very, very angry at you if you have a a, a gilded lotus in your lands yeah. at, on turn three. I, it's a good point to make uh, for the collector's appeal. I think if we come back to Ixalan, that begins to build nostalgia around the original set. So that could be yeah. one we definitely yeah. see stock to dry up, stock drying up of those worse ones. Yeah. Um, but moving from the GP to Star City, we had basically a, a, a mirror of standard from one to the other. So some of the interesting things that we did see at the Star City team open is that. Ross Miriam is currently playing, and uh, it's termed Grixis Drakes, but it's basically the Is It deck from Stam Standard souped up with things like cards like Faithless Looting, and the Black Splash is just for collective brutality out of the sideboard, and they are currently third seed going into this top eight, which means that some knickknacks from this deck are definitely going to pick up in price, and we might see. Finally, an increase in graveyard hate for decks like this. I believe he won through a Bajuka Bog, or at least one uh, is it is a Drake deck in modern won through a Bajuka Bog against an Amulet Titan deck. And Not then bad. in Legacy, we saw we had uh, briefly an Aldrazi post deck on yeah. camera as part of Tom Ross's team, who was playing Infect in modern. I believe is shocking. Jody Keith was playing Eldrazi Post, and okay. there was there's another player who was doing quite well. I don't know their name. Who was also playing Eldrazi Post, and that right now that is the only deck in Legacy that plays Candelabra. Yep. Because High Tide is no longer a thing. We actually Rip. watched uh, Jody Keith. Spend five hundred dollars to mental misstep a swords to plowshare on his Kozilek by discarding Candelabra to counter it. This is a Patrick Sullivanism. It's a five hundred dollar mental misstep. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so we might have a little bit of financial ramifications just coming from 
that side of the event. You know, cards we just haven't seen in a while crop up. Yeah. In uh, in Candelabra and Kozilek. But right now it looks like we're, we might just have a Grixis Delver and Demir Shadow top four or top eight. I don't remember how they handle their team events. Yeah. Top four. Top four. And yeah. with this happening, I don't know if that's really going to throw much out of whack yeah, yeah. in regards More to the finances. The same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. It's nothing too crazy. All right, and coming out of that, something we, we wanted to talk about a bit is timing specs. So when to pump and when to dump, basically. Pump them and dump them. So I am notorious for this because, uh, for example, I think I'm sitting on like 200 or so Grim Feasts right now. Mm-hmm. At one point, you know, I put an offer on Cardsphere up to $4 and just let everyone do all the TCG work for me so I didn't have to build the carts. Mm-hmm. So I just got drop shipped a bunch of those. The price went up to $4 because it's a really unique effect in those colors that doesn't exist in Magic. And I held on to them too long because okay. they're like back to a dollar something now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Takali Honor Guard was one of my picks. Buy list on it peaked at a dollar fifty, and I'm still sitting on like another hundred. And it's a three dollar card, but buy list is down to thirty six cents now. So something that I've started being more adamant about, and then got away from, and now I'm going to go back to is like, look, I'm not trying to, you know, quad up every time. If I have a spec that doesn't work out, if I have something more lucrative that I can get now, mm-hmm. I'll just dump it to a buy list for some margin. You know, if I'm in for 25 cents and I dump them for 30, well, if I'm dumping 100 of them, fine. That's five bucks. Yep. I'm okay with that. That can go towards a fetch land or something. And I generally, if it if it doesn't work out and I feel like I'm never going to make my money back, bulk it out. Mm-hmm. And it feels bad. But usually I give it about a month to two months after the point where it reaches like low tide and I'm out then. Except for Grim Feast because I'm still holding on to all of those because it's reserveless chaff. We don't talk about that here, guys. Yeah, we don't talk about reserveless chaff. No glacier crevasses here, sir. No. No halls of mist here. No halls of mist either. None of that. (laughs) Pendril mist, though, that's not chaff anymore. No. No, Pendril mists was. The market was there. The market. So, that was a winner. That was a winner for sure. So, so yeah. yeah. So for me, with uh, with buying and selling and stuff, I am I naturally got into this by buying and selling as rapidly as possible. So I sit on very very little inventory. I don't have a store or anything, so I don't have a place to store inventory nor a reason to store it. So mm-hmm. I just try to make twenty percent over and over and over again as rapidly as possible on everything. And as soon as something hits twenty percent, I sell it. And if I can get more than that, great. If I get 15% every once in a while, but it looks like the market's starting to dry up or, you know, maybe a reprint's going to get announced or this is a really good reprint target, I'll take 15%, whatever it is. And then to talk about that as well with the spoilers we have for UMA and knowing there's going to be more stuff coming. If you have some of those cards that are getting reprinted, you know what they are. If you aren't using them or you had a spec on them, sell them. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're going to go down 
a lot. It's how it, it's how the reprints work. They, the market hasn't adjusted yet, probably on the pricing for a lot of these because they're not here yet. They're going to be here in a few weeks, and then the, it's just going. The, the new ones are going to start really, really low, and the the old ones are going to be a high price, and those prices are going to come and meet somewhere in the middle. And so, don't hold out thinking, oh, maybe it won't drop that much, or maybe they won't reprint it again, or maybe it's going to drop. So just get out of them. It's if you were holding them as a spec, or you're just changing decks, just bite the bullet. Take. I, I sold a bunch of Carns on on Cardsphere for eighty percent of of retail value Ooh. tonight because Carns going to go down because it's getting reprinted. Um, and One deck. You know, I, I maybe I maybe I think I paid seventy five percent of retail value for them, so I made five percent on them. But if I hold them for another month and no one's going to offer more than that for the next month, then they're going to slowly start going down, and then people are going to offer eighty five percent on them in a month, but they're going to have gone down ten or fifteen dollars maybe. So you you just got to bite the bullet and pull the trigger and get out of stuff sometimes and just put your money somewhere else because it's not making you money there. So when you guys. Awesome. When when you're looking at spec targets and you finally decide, this is a card I'm going to move it move in on, on quantity or in quantity, right? Not just a four of or an eight of, you know. Yeah. Do you set a timeline for different cards? I do not. Uh, I, it it's more art, less science. Uh, okay. I I think I there are times when I definitely should have set a timeline because there's times where. You know, like uh, Carrion, Carrion, the black sorcery from Mirage or whatever. Like, Izoni got spoiled. I'm like, oh, here's some card that we're not going to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, I should probably just pump and dump this, right? I just need to get rid of it immediately. And then I didn't. So I think I should set a timeline. I just don't. Uh, granted, more often than not, it works out. I still make my money. My failures are far less numerous than my successes. But I don't personally set one now. Okay. Yeah, I I just don't do the buying a hundred of something and selling a hundred of something very often. So I, I just well I just look for value buys and value sells. And I mean I, I I will get in when it's clearly obvious that you know this brand new card busted into the scene and it's about to go up like crazy. You know I'll get in on it for sure. But it's just the giant stacks of, of one card. With my situation, as I've said multiple times, it's just not the way to go for me. Um, so, Jason just has a desk full of crap, apparently. Yep. Um, <laughs> all the time. So. <laughs> no, I, I was curious about that. I have uh, a 1K that I've labeled Infinite Timeline, and sitting in there are like 200 Sunbirds invocations because that card is insane. If you've never played that card in any format, it's. It's, it's so fun. Yeah. Nice. 1K and, with team bags. That's my infinite timeline 1K. Yep. And for the for the most part, that's the timeline I run on. I, I look yeah. I look long term. My short term yeah. specs are generally always meant for standard, so really aggressively slanted creatures and stuff like that. Uh, there was one point in time where I bought and sold from the same vendor pre-release, and then. Uh, next set release so shadows and then what was the next one eldritch moon i bought all the rare humans that were that cost three or less that oh yeah that basically became that deck and yep. i was like the, the, i looked at the the rest of the set i was like these cards are way too aggressive they're too good 
just move in. And then I also pre-ordered from Eldritch Moon the green-white creature that gave all humans lifelink. I was like, this will be, this will break the mirror. This will give you yeah. the power to last. And then whoever hands of lands of first will generally win the game. And I outed. I think I still have a bunch of that card because <laughs> it was bulk when I bought it, and it's bulk now. So yeah. I'll, I'll get rid of it the next time I dump bulk. Because I, I do terrible. that. No, I do it in like year chunks. So one year's worth of sets, bulk that out two years later. And I sold all those humans and just on a short timeline because that's what I set for myself. If these cards are going to be aggressive. If the deck isn't found within the first few weeks of this format, it won't be found ever. And I should just move out of those cards. And then yeah. I hit on all of them and moved out immediately, which was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said before, I'm sitting on a mountain of expansion explosions. I just don't want to pull them out from where they are right over here. And that's a card that I am I can get out of now. I just don't think it's at its peak. I, yeah, it's, it's me being, I think it still has room to go. Yeah, it, it's me being a little greedy. Definitely, I, I can admit that fact. But my timeline on that card was not by the end of the Pro Tour. My timeline on expansion explosion is another two months from now. We'll talk about it again in 2019, basically, when I want to get yeah. out of these. So, I definitely set timelines for myself, unless it's reserveless stuff that matters. I don't buy... Yeah. I don't purposely buy chaff just because it's on the... I don't buy wall kelp, because it's a wall, and there's a new wall commander, <laughs> and my wall makes more walls. I don't do that. <laughs> That's not me. You don't have... That's fair. So that's fair. It is Both breaking his mic. He's so mad about. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's it's definitely something you need to be mindful of when you're doing this and what your strategy is, especially if you have, you know, normal human amounts of funds to play with. You know, you work a nine yeah. to five and you don't have infinite bankroll. You definitely need to figure out if you're going to sit on this for a short period of time. You're going to wait, or if this is just purely a pump and dump. You're waiting for Card King yeah. to up their buy list and then you're out. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're trying to keep this stuff quick. We want to get down to about 30, 35 minutes now for the podcast so we can continue rendering these properly, unlike last week, which is my fault. Our so, bad guys. Just it's uh, just because I wasn't here. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. My computer That's missed good. your face. You were right. So, <laughs> YouTube, YouTube knew it wouldn't be the same without me. Yeah. <laughs> and that glorious okay. shirt. So coming out of this weekend, picks. What do you guys think? You were I, gone. You go first. I, uh, since we started talking about it and I started thinking about it more also in like EDH decks and stuff, I think I really like Midnight Reaper. I okay. think it's a really cool engine um, in Standard, and I think it's a really cool engine in, in EDH. Um, and and so it's pretty cheap right now. You can probably get them for like a quarter or two maybe. Yep. Um, it's a rare. A lot. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a it seems like a card that could easily go up to a dollar or two, um, and then you start making money on it. Um, so, yeah, I really like that one this week. Okay. Uh, so I'm, you know, my last few were a bit more long-term, so I'm going to go a little bit shorter-term back on the Takatli Honor Guard path. Okay. Although you saw that stack <laughs> and how that worked out for me. Uh, <laughs> I actually, Death Gorge Scavenger. Okay. So... Enigma, or sorry, is it Drake's is one of the hardest matchups for the Golgari deck, mm -hmm. and I think it's one of the easiest ways to break that. Obviously, they have a Drake that counts stuff in the graveyard 
fine. It also helps against the Jeskai matchup. Yep. It helps against the Grixis matchup. Uh, both modes are incredibly relevant. It even helps against any of the red decks running Rekindling Phoenix. Uh, it's just, you know, as you touched on last week, Reptar, it, there's not graveyard hate out there. No. It just doesn't exist. And this is something that fits in line with the strategy of one of the extant decks in the format that you're starting to see pop up in sideboards. And I genuinely think it has value as a main deckable card. Uh, I mean, the two life is usually actually pretty relevant because a lot of these games go wide. They get into a racing situation. Yep. And just two life here or there helps. So that's my pick. I'd be looking at probably two to three month window on this. I think we may get some type of graveyard mechanic with Orzov in the next set. Yeah. I don't think we get it with Gruul. We don't get it with Azorius. We don't get it with Simic. Maybe Rakdos, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it has some potential upside in addition to what already exists in the meta. Yep. I think that's fair. Uh, so mine is actually going to come off the back of the fact that Tom Ross is now playing Magic the Gathering again. <laughs> and he is playing Infect this weekend, kind of at his own behest. He doesn't think Infect is great in the format, but a lot of other people do. And one of the more important cards in the deck over time is shape has become Shaper Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. and I like that card. Yeah, that card is insane. It's yeah. uh, it's an Ixalan rare. So we're looking at a fairly long timeline on this card, especially because we have no modern, more, no more modern events, I believe, for the rest of 2018. There's one nope. more Star City event. I, it's in Baltimore, but I do not believe it is modern. And I don't think we have another modern event until after the Pro Tour in January, but I might be wrong about that. With that said, this is a card that could immediately 1.5 or 2x if Infect starts 5-0ing modern leagues. Yep. So this is something I would move on sooner rather than later, and I would plan to sit on this for between three and six months at a minimum. Also, yeah. anecdotally, to help your opinion, I've seen a lot of people playing this in like creature, any green creature deck in EDH as well, just because it's yeah. super easy value. Yeah, I, um, I assume it's like a Wild Defiance and yep, and what's the other one? Lifecraft, Lifecrafters Bestiary. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you play creatures, you do things, it all works out in the end. But I also, I don't think Wild Defiance is currently in the sideboard of Infect list. They would rather be playing Shaper Sanctuary, which is a 1 CMC card compared to a 3 CMC card. That yep. while yep. it doesn't do the same thing and allow you to win out of nowhere like the deck did before, it plays along the game plan a little better. We no longer have Jataxian Probe, so our busted draws, while they still happen, are a little less frequent, and one of the ways we can ensure that happens is that as people want to deal with our creatures outside of combat like you do otherwise you'll lose yep they try and just refresh and you can have a little bit of a counter war over the spell that's being played against your creature with spell pierce out of the board as well and uh blossoming defense and that yep. just nets you more cards to, to kind of refuel because it triggers each time a spell targets it doesn't have to be successfully cast it just has to target yeah it doesn't have to resolve successfully, sorry. Why do you keep saying we when you're talking about the Infect deck? I don't yeah, play Infect, he's... but I assume... Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's the royal we. I yeah. Also, just a note. <laughs> as we are doing this, there is a Celeron TCG that has ten of them 
for a dollar fifty each with shipping. So there's quite a few here that are you know clicking the four or more quantity. Just have a ton available. Yeah, yeah the last so this, the last few traded on uh, on Cardsphere have all been around the dollar fifty, and some even in the near the dollar range. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think it's a perfectly fine card to hold for the short term, or if you want to sit on it longer, the long term as well. This this might be an easy target for a reprint in a Commander product or something weird like they did with Zendikar Resurgent, but I don't think that's yeah. going to stave off demand for this card if it hits an Infect in Modern. Yeah. I think that, that's Agreed. just the way it is. Oh, yeah. It's, yep, see you later. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's that's about it for us, guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining in. We will be back next. Oh, there's there's Baby Load. Yeah, we'll be back next. She's knocking on the door, screaming for me. So oh, that's yeah. fine. We're we're done anyway. I uh, do want to tell everyone Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Yep. Uh, I've been Reptar with <laughs> with Wode Car- TX Card Pirate. Jason, Thirsty Sizzler, and you can find us at MTG, MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, on YouTube, on Stitcher, and I said iTunes, if not, Facebook. iTunes, iTunes and Facebook. Facebook hit hit the like button, the, the yes. little bell button. Yep. Uh, also, we will soon be giving away some UMA boxes, so make sure you stay tuned for updates on that. Yep, we finally figured out what we're going to do for Patreon, so when that comes around be ready if you have questions you want answered by us also hit us up at any of our twitter handles we'll be more than happy to toss those into an upcoming show yep awesome thanks guys see See you see you guys